Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God. Ah, excuse me. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When it comes to things like suffering, um, it's not often that you have people that jump right in with both feet and say, yes, please, please give me as much suffering as you possibly can. I want more, 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 more suffering, please. Um, it would just be wonderful if I could just have more and more suffering. <laughs> now, it sounds kind of silly because, yeah, nobody thinks like that. And the reason why I bring that up is because we as Christians find ourselves in a place where we do suffer. We are stressed out. We, are, we have the pressure placed on us. Um, we fight our sinful flesh day in and day out, uh, trying not to do the things that we shouldn't do, uh, and really feeling bad about the things we don't, really feeling bad about the things we shouldn't do, and about the things we haven't done, that we should have done, and so on and so forth. We suffer as Christians. And it's one of those things where if you are a Christian, you ask yourself, sometimes you may be tempted to ask yourself, I know that God loves me. I know that he has saved me by the blood of Christ. And yet, I'm really tired of suffering. I'm really tired of the pain and the sorrow or whatever it might be that you're going through. And you say, sometimes you may even just think it, even if you don't say it, you might think it, that if God really loves me, why am I suffering so much? Why am I going through all of this? Why can't he just help me out and take it away? Right? Well, for us Christians... It helps to know that our suffering is not in vain. When we suffer, we um, are granted a great gift. When we suffer, we are given this great gift that helps us to not think about ourselves, but think about God and think about Christ and what he has done for us. It helps us. I've told you before, I've got this pretty bad pain in my shoulder, and, and if you don't know how uh, the mechanics of speech work and things like that, when you breathe, you use your ribs and you use your back, and it's hard to breathe right now, and it's hard to speak. So sometimes I even find myself saying, you know, God, why can't you just help me out? Why can't you just take this pain away? Why can't you just help me say this word smoothly? But the thing is, is that he does, he helps me to speak, and he helps you to do the things that you need to do. He helps you get through those pains and the sufferings. The righteous do suffer, and through that suffering, God works, God works, God works mercy and salvation, that Jesus himself tells us today 
that, that if anyone would come after him, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. To carry a cross is painful. To carry a cross is not fun. To carry a cross is suffering. And yet, that's what we're called to do, to pick up our crosses and carry them, not just wandering around, but specifically to follow Christ. And he says this in response to Peter, right? Because sometimes we can be like Peter. I, I know I hearken back to the Transfiguration, where, where Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration, saw the glory of God shining through Christ and said, I don't want to leave here. I don't want to go down from this mountain. Let's just stay here. Let's build some houses and stay here. Because I don't want to have to do, I don't want to have to go and see our Lord crucified. Because this happens before that. This happens when Jesus asks his followers, who do you say that I am? And Peter makes that great confession, you are the Christ. And in the other Gospels, we hear about how Jesus tells, he, he, commends, he commends Peter and says, blessed are, you, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not shown these things to you, but God has, right? And then not a few moments later, and Jesus begins to, begins to say, now that you know who I am, now you need to know what I came to do, and that is to suffer and to die. To which Peter just can't take it. And most of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, neither could we. To hear that your Lord who has come to do these wonderful things and does them before your eyes and all of a sudden says, now it must happen that I go to die. It would, you would be hard pressed just like Peter to not say, Lord, this cannot happen. That cannot happen. And so Jesus rightly takes Peter and he tells him, get behind me, Satan. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It's very interesting that when we heard about the temptation from Satan, from, G uh, from Matthew's gospel last week, about how Jesus was tempted by Satan, that at the end he said, he, he, he calls Satan who he is, that accuser, and says, and says, and says, begone, Satan. This is what he calls Peter. And this is what he says to all those who don't have their eyes set on Christ, all those who don't have their eyes set on God, but on those things that would make it a little bit easier in life, right? All, all those who look for that path of least resistance when it comes to God's word, when it comes to obeying in faith what God has given us to do. He tells us, get behind me, Satan. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on, on the things of man. He tells that to all of us when we follow after our sinful flesh and the lusts of our hearts. He reminds us who we are apart from him. He reminds us that we are nothing without him. 
That's why he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life according to his own way, whoever would save his life in the way that he sees fit will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, for the gospel's sake, for God's sake, will save it. This is tremendous from our Lord, that we who most of the time think we know right are actually wrong. We who think that we have the best way to go about things because everybody's happy or no one's upset or whatever the case may be, we know that we sometimes have to carry that cross because it's the right thing to do. To flee from suffering is not the way of Christ. Jesus does not flee from his cross, and neither should we. For what can a man give? So, uh, sorry, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life, right? Profits him not one thing. For if we would seek our own way and forsake the Lord's way, we are ashamed of him. That's why Jesus says, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father um, with the holy angels. That if we do not follow after him, it means that we're ashamed of him. But we're not ashamed. If we follow Christ, we can't be, even though the world would try to shame us. From St. Paul, when he says, when he talks about suffering, before he even gets to suffering, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If that wasn't enough, he goes further and says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, in our tribulations, in the pressure, in the stress. We rejoice knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, been, who, has, who has been given to us. We are not ashamed. Our hope does not put us to shame because our hope is in what is true. If our hope was in what is false, which is what our flesh likes to chase after, then we would be ashamed. But, but, in, but according to God, we are not ashamed because our hope is in Christ. He has conquered for us. He has suffered and died for us. He has carried his cross for us. And now we are called to carry our cross for him. But in carrying your cross while keeping your eyes on Jesus... It means that that cross is no longer as heavy as it once was. 
it's no longer as fraught with pain and suffering as it once was, because if your eyes are on Jesus, your eyes are on his cross, and your eyes are on his new life that he gives to you, your eyes are on those things that truly matter. So in all these things, it's amazing to think about we Christians. Uh, Luther said, I think it was his last words that were ever written. He wrote on a little piece of paper that he put in his coat pocket, and they found it after he died. And they think that it was a prayer that he was saying towards the end there. He says it was, it was mixed in German and Latin, um, which means we are all beggars. This is true. All we can do is beg God for what is good and what is right, and he gives it. And everything he gives is good. The suffering that you are granted is good. The endurance from that suffering is a gift, and that is good. The proven character that comes from the endurance, that comes from the suffering, is good. And the hope that you are granted by faith in Christ is good. It is truly good. It is better than anything this world could possibly give. This world may mock us and say, look at those Christians, they're so weak. They're suffering and they can't even help themselves. And we say, yeah, amen, that's right. I can't really help myself. God is the one who helps me. God is the one who gives me all that I need. And he takes care of me. And I know that in the end, he will see me through to life eternal. So in this, as we go through Lent, we take on this time of suffering, and some might say it's self-inflicted, but that's good training for us that we would deny ourselves something that we would really, really like to have, but we don't really need, right? Whatever that may be, whether it's food or TV or whatever it might be, doesn't matter. We ask that God would help us through those times and struggles, even if it is somewhat self-inflicted for our good, so that we can look to God and trust in him for all that we need. So as we go forward, we, we should despair of ourselves and what we can do by ourselves and trust in Christ. And as baptized children of God, we know that in baptism, the old man, the old sinful flesh is drowned and dies because of what God does through his water, through, through the water and his word. And as we know from the small catechism, we should rise up every day and remember that baptism, remember it in a way that would kill the old man. Uh, it's one of those things, <laughs> the old sinful flesh, it can't be made better. It must die. Baptism is a death for the old man, but a rebirth for the new man that is Christ who lives through us. So we have to kill the old man, kill him daily, drown him in your baptism, trusting what God has done for you. Deny your sinful flesh, carry your cross, following the one who is crucified for you. 
To be crucified with Christ means that he is surely with you in your suffering and will never leave you nor forsake you. So keep your eyes on him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.